Hello everyone and welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. We're here today at the Pebble Beach Concourse uh, and I'm flying solo today. I'm without my wingman Rowan Horncastle for these kind of live walk-arounds that we've done a few of at motor shows uh, and other bits and bobs. But it's going to be all right. There's plenty of people here. It's absolutely packed um, with people wearing all sorts of interesting outfits. The people watching here at the Pebble Beach Concourse is among the best in the world and we're going to make the most of that. So what are we going to be doing? I'm going to be walking around, um, looking at some of the cars, trying to describe them to you, trying to describe the situations that I'm seeing in front of me. Perhaps we'll even bump into a celebrity. I did see someone yesterday who I thought was Tom Cruise. Turned out to just be a very short gentleman with very white teeth. Although I was here 10 years ago and I did actually see Arnold Schwarzenegger. So if you hear someone in the background hollering at me to get in the chopper, then maybe Arnie's in town, who knows? And let's see if we can doorstop some car bosses as well and talk about the interesting models that have been revealed. So, before we get going, I should probably explain what Car Week is. Car Week is in a place called Monterey, the Monterey Peninsula, which is a, a, a coastal town between Los Angeles and San Francisco, and it is a week full of uh, various events. It's famous for the car auctions that it holds. Um, that's where you see these gazillion pound 250 GTOs being sold um, to, to, to billionaires. So the auctions are a big part of it. And then there's lots of shows. So on the Friday, uh, there was something called the Quail and Motorsports Gathering. Now that's where the car manufacturers tend to reveal uh, their big world debuts. Um, it's every supercar, hypercar manufacturer that you can possibly imagine all crammed into one place. Again, on a golf course. They like to have these shows on golf courses. I suppose there's just a lot of nice golf courses around in this part of the world. Quail, by the way, um, we were filming videos. So we had a videographer there. I shot six videos of the six most interesting, exciting cars that we could find on the day. And if you go to the Top Gear YouTube channel now, you'll be able to watch all of those. And make sure you head to topgear.com because we've got all the big stories breaking from Car Week and a load more for you to read and catch up on there. So that's the housekeeping done. By the way, just a word on Pebble Beach Concourse. So it is essentially a load of old cars, very expensive, very shiny old cars, parked up on the 18th fairway of the Pebble Beach Golf Course. Now Pebble Beach Golf Course is one of the most famous golf courses in the world. I'm told it costs $600 to play around here, which means I certainly won't be playing golf, which is a little bit of a shame. Um, it's also where Tiger Woods, he won the US Open here in 2002 by 15 shots. They hosted the Women's US Open here for the first time this year. And I should probably stop talking about golf now because I'm starting to look like a bit of a nerd and let's focus on the cars. And you join me on not the main 18th fairway, which is the sort of hub of the whole operation, but on a higher lawn, which is the Ferrari lawn. So what I'm looking at right now is probably between 150 and 200 of the most rare and interesting Ferraris in the world. We've got race cars. There's a lineup over there of F40, F50. Uh, we've got the Enzo, we've got the LaFerrari, we've got the FXX. We've got every road car you could possibly imagine. There's a gorgeous, 355 Spider over there, which uh, is still one of my dream cars, has been since I was 15 years old, and still looks good in this company, despite probably being the cheapest car on this lawn. And I'm standing next to something brand new, potentially the most unnecessary car in the world. That is the new SF90 X. 
X Stradale. That is the higher downforce, faster, more hardcore version of the SF90 with well over uh, a thousand horsepower. I mean, it's not like that car needed any more power, did it? It's already too fast, but hopefully they've added a little bit more handling finesse in there because it was a little bit confused with the, with the hybrid powertrain bouncing power back and forth between the two axles. Anyway, we'll get to drive that pretty soon. I'm on the move now. I'm making my way down the Ferrari lawn. Uh, there's a Ferrari Pura Sangue over there. I've seen quite a few of those on the road here this week. Still undecided whether it's a, an SUV or an estate. Of course, Ferrari will um, take me out the back and shoot me if I say the word SUV in front of them. I think they like to call it an FUV, which is a bit pompous, isn't it, really? But it's growing on me. It's a good-looking car, and they are gobbling them up in this part of the world. And I just have to say, the thing about this week, it, it is an absolutely ostentatious show of wealth. The money around here is just unlike anything else. The reason why supercar and hypercar manufacturers come here in their droves, they spend millions to rent out uh, mansions nearby and set them up as showcases for their brands. And then they come to shows like this, the Pebble Beach, uh, Concours, Quail, to show everything off because the concentration of billionaires around this part of the world must be bigger than anywhere else in the world. It's kind of old-fashioned in that sense that every car boss that I talk to says we love this place because we actually sell cars, you know, and if they're coming here with their um, ultra low volume, um, you know, coach built specials, two, three, four million dollars uh, that they're only building 10 of, they can sell out within a day or two. Um, anyway, so I've made my way down from the Ferrari lawn to, uh, it's called the concept lawn, although all the cars aren't technically concepts, as a very small dog barks at me because I've got a microphone in my hand. Um, these are just the new cars. So obviously down on the 18th fairway, as I said, we've got all the classics lined up. They're being judged in the concourse and there'll be a winner announced later on today. This is the bit, if I'm honest, I'm more interested in because this is where the, the manufacturers that we, dear Top Gear listener and reader, are probably more interested in. And the first car that I've stumbled across is the Lamborghini Lanzador. Uh, this is one of the cars that I did a video of on Friday at the Quail, but it is, in a nutshell, the first fully, fully electric Lamborghini. Um, what's interesting about this is they're not gonna put it on sale until 2028, so we've got five years to wait, but they're not pretending that this is some sort of flight of fancy. This is as close as they can possibly get this car to the production car. It's got a full interior. It is a 2 plus 2 GT. Um, in fact, you know what? You need to just go and have a look at this car and get your head around what it is. Um, it kind of defies traditional segments, really. Um, think of it like a stretched supercar on stilts. It's not an SUV, it's lower than that, it's wider than that. Um, it's got back seats, fairly generous back seats, not as much space back there as you get in an Urus. Um, and a decent boot, which is always important when you're buying a Lamborghini. But I think it's interesting, I think Lamborghini have realized that if they are gonna go, if they are gonna build this fourth model line, that it needs to be something different. It's Lamborghini, right? They need to be wild and challenging conceptions and not just slotting into, 
you know, preconceived segments. And if you had described this car to me a week ago, before I actually saw it, uh, a jacked up, squashed, stretched, they're calling it an Ultra GT, pure electric Lamborghini, so it makes no noise, which is why we like Lamborghinis in the first place. I'd probably wrinkle my nose, I'd probably look at you and shake my head and think, nah, don't fancy it. But when you see it in person, it does work. It does have those really wide, low, confident pr proportions. If they're going to make a four-seater with a big boot that's pure electric, I think they've done a great job. I think they've made a good decision to go down this route. The other thing that's interesting with the Lamborghini Lanzador is they've given us some actual details. They've got five years to get this car right, but they haven't messed about. They've told us it's going to have over a megawatt of power. So that's 1,350 brake horsepower in old money. We know it's got rear-wheel steering. We know it's got two electric motors, one on each axle. It's going to have torque vectoring on the rear axle. It's going to be mighty quick. And I've been speaking to the head of engineering, Reuven Moore, who's very excited. He gets very excited by um, stuff like this about the control systems. So with electric cars, the speed with which you can send torque to one axle or one wheel and control the handling of the car is just on another level to a combustion engine car. The problem, as I pointed out to them and they got a bit upset, is is it a Lamborghini is it, if it doesn't make a dirty great noise when it drives past you? Because yes, a good handling EV can be emotional and fun to drive from behind the wheel, but a Lamborghini is kind of emotional for the people you're driving past as well. It looks bonkers, of course, and it makes a great noise when it goes past and everyone turns their heads and claps their hands or wags their finger, depending on their point of view. But that's the challenge. And he said, look, I get it. I get it. It's not easy to get your head around. How is an EV Lamborghini going to be a Lamborghini? But they got five years to figure it out. Um, so make sure you go online, check out the video so you can see it for yourself, make up your own mind about the Lanzador. Uh, and um, yeah, if you've got any ideas for how Lamborghini can make an electric car exciting, then uh, send them in. I'll forward them on to Reuven Moore who can uh, put them in the suggestion box at Sant Agata. Right, I've moved on to the Infinity QX monograph concept. Now please, go to topgear.com and read Stephen Ewing's story on this car because he's absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's one of the most boring concept cars I've ever seen in my life. It basically looks like they've taken the huge seven-seater SUV that Infiniti already make and then just sort of smoothed it out, removed the door handles, put some slightly bigger wheels on it and called it a concept. Apparently this is the future of Infiniti design, the future of where the company wants to go. It's just a massive, great, ugly SUV that's with a few concept car touches. If a concept car shows us how confident a company is about the future, then this shows no confidence at all for me. Oh, I've moved on. I've moved on to Hennessy. So they have the uh, F5 Venom. This is the Revolution, which is the high downforce version of the F5, uh, the more sort of track focused version. And this is the Roadster. So this is the first time we've seen the Roadster. And we might actually be able to get a word with John. Uh, John, 
I'm actually recording for the Top Gear magazine podcast here. It's everyone's favorite Texan, John Hennessy. So we've only got one mic. We're going to have to share it. I'm not sure how hygienic that is, but um, having fun? We're having a blast. Having a blast? Yeah. Um, So Car Week, is it highlight of your calendar or or just a knackering series of events that you want to run away from? It's it's both. I think leading up to this event, there's a lot of... uh, stress and planning and, and, and budget, but once we get here and engage with our clients and dealers and meet meet new friends, it's uh, it's it's like Christmas, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the last night and the night before Quail are both like Christmas Eve, just really the anticipation of the next day. So we're super excited to be here. Cool. And you, you may remember, and um, you can go on to the YouTube channel now and watch the video that um, I made when I drove quite an early F5 Venom. We went out right. to Texas. We drove it on John's um, drag strip. Yep. We drove it on the road. It was a, an incredible couple of days. Um, but, I, but I'm actually staying at the same hotel as, as John and his crew. And parked outside our hotel, there were how many, how many F5 Venoms? 11 Venom F5s parked outside the Hyatt. I never thought I'd see 11 Venom F5s in a row. But what it did was it made the car, it made you realize, you know, this thing's in full swing, in full production. The owners are loving them. They're using them. They're coming out to events like this. Um, yeah, I think that's the first and last time I ever see that number of cars. I don't know. I think thing. maybe and there may be a time in the future you might see more. And what, we need to get you, get you back behind the wheel for the revolution soon. You heard it here first. All right, John, I'm going to keep moving because I've got, well another 12 cars on this lawn and then 52 classic cars over there that I'm going to attempt to describe. So, hey Jack, um, one quick question for you. When are we going to get together with uh, Gordon Murray, Mate, and Christian again for part two of the... Uh, I think we should go from an interview setting to going and driving the cars. So I'm just... Just saying that. I think I, I totally agree. We we um so and uh, Horatio and Horatio. I, I saw Horatio Pagani the other day. So this is when um we we, we got John um Gordon Murray Mate Rimatz and Christian von Koenigsegg together in the same room. Never thought I'd say that sentence out loud. And um, and we did a, a an interview we just just ahead on, of our. We got on so well and had really the, the the conversation continued afterwards at the pub. So I just think everybody gets along so well. If we had a chance to. I drive one of their cars, Gordon or whoever drives my car, and we just continue the conversation. Yeah, it's fun. Let's make it happen. All right. I'm on it. All right, John, have a great day. I'll see you soon. Thanks, John. John Hennessy there. Look, he wants to get together with his F5 and and, and Gordon Murray's T50 and Mate Rimac's. Well, Mate Rimac could choose... uh, he could choose the Nevera, couldn't he? Or he could choose the Bugatti Chiron or whatever future Bugatti he's working on at the moment. Um, So... There we go. A little uh, little chat to John Hennessy. I feel like um, Martin Brundle on the world's longest grib walk. I'm walking past a Bentley Bentayga, Bentayga extended wheelbase. I think you can probably picture what that looks like. It looks like a Bentley Bentayga that's longer. This is a bit more exciting. The Automobili Pininfarina Pura Vision. I've been working on my Italian accent. This is Pininfarina's um, concept car their vision of what the future of their company is going to look like uh, as I give uh, the PR boss just a just a kick on the back of the leg to get out of the way um, so yeah gorgeous gorgeous concept again go to topgear.com so you can see what I'm talking about um, it is uh, a vision of a pure electric um, uh, SUV but of course done with Pininfarina's signature flair shall we say I mean this is Pininfarina this is the company that designed 
the bulk of the most beautiful cars ever made. So when they do something, it has to be not only good looking, that's a given, it has to push boundaries. And I think this car does definitely challenge um, you, but then a con concept car should. Um, it takes inspiration from yachts. There's very simple surfacing. It's a very, very narrow greenhouse. The visibility, oh, I'm not sure about that, but I don't think they're too worried about visibility at this stage. Pin and Farina do want to put this car into production. Um, they're calling it an E-LUV, an electric luxury utility vehicle, or if you come from Yorkshire, the E-Love. Uh, they don't know what platform it's going to go on. The technical details aren't tied down, but there is an intention to make it. Um, they also revealed at Quail on Friday a speedster called the B95, essentially based off the, um, uh, the Batista, which in itself is based off the Rimac Nevera. And the B95, they've chopped the windscreen off. Um, they've done some very cool, movable aero windshields. It's still got... 1900 horsepower it's still one of the fastest cars on the planet and now also one of the windiest cars on the planet because it hasn't got a windscreen so go and check out the b95 they're only making 10 of them costing from you might want to sit down 4.4 million euros each yep that's right and apparently they've been selling quite well this week so that gives you an idea of the kind of dollarage that's sloshing around right next to the pinnafrina on the concept car lawn, we have the Mercedes AMG GT. To be honest, lucky I stopped. I could have blinked and walked past this one. It looks a lot like the old AMG GT. Of course, this car, uh, this is the brand new one, just been revealed. Um, go and check out the pictures of it. Um, the difference here is that we've now had the SL. The SL, of course, is the drop top version of this car. The SL is now an AMG developed prod uh, project. And to be honest, we've been a little bit lukewarm on it. The reason being an SL should be a much more laid back, comfy cruiser of a convertible. But actually it's, you know, now it's gone AMG. It, 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 it's quite a serious sports car. With the AMG GT being a coupe, I think there's more leeway for it being more aggressive, more of a, more of a track car, more, more accomplished on track, I should say. Um, so anyway, looks good. I think we'll have to wait until we Wait until we drive that one, until we make a final decision. Now there's a couple of cars here that I have never seen in my life, so I'm not gonna to pretend to know anything about them. The Ken Okuyuma Design Birdcage Cody 61. And thank God they put signs next to these cars because I did not know that was the name of the car. It is, looks a little bit like um, a Ferrari SP2 Monza. Uh, again, another speedster, no windscreen. What is it with windscreens? People hate them. They just keep chopping them off. I have, of course, driven all the, uh, the holy trinity of speedsters. We did that incredible test uh, in Scotland all that time ago. And I've got to be honest, they look sensational. They're not particularly pleasant to drive. Um, they all have different systems, different ways of keeping the wind out of your face. Um, uh, the McLaren Elva is the most successful of those ones. The Monza in second place for wind avoidance and the Aston Speedster with a sort of hastily tacked on piece of perspex doesn't really work at all. Um, but go and check out the co uh, ke con, the Ken Okayama design birdcage Cody 61. It's pretty rad, but not as rad as this car that's parked up next to it.
which is the Atux Futures Espada. And it is essentially a rat rod Espada. It's an absolutely bonkers thing. The, the roof kind of comes up to my hit point. You've got the exposed Espada V12 in the front of the car. You've got bits and pieces of Espada bodywork left on what looks like side sills from a modern Aventador then glued onto that. You've got rear wheels outside of the bodywork um, and then a kind of Mad Max interior which seems to be made from riveted and welded bits of steel. It's, uh, it's quite the flex. But as I said earlier, the concentration of supercars around here is just unlike anything you've ever seen. If you dare to leave the house in a standard Huracan or a, a standard Ferrari 296, honestly, no one even bats an eyelid. No one even knows that you've arrived because it's just a standard supercar. Um, you need a Huracan STO to even raise people's heartbeats. Um, quite a funny story. So Greg Potts, shout out to Greg Potts, um, our staff writer, who's also here um, for uh, Car Week. Uh, he's staying at a hotel called the Spanish Bay, uh, which is very famous. It's where a lot of the people stay, and they always park the, the most expensive and fastest cars outside the front of the hotel. So he rocked up. There was, I think, seven Chirons parked in a row. Um, but meanwhile, he had arranged um, to drive, not fly, unfortunately, drive in a new flying car. The story's on topgear.com. You can read about it. So there he is. He pulls into the car park. Seven Bugatti Chirons over there. Absolutely common as muck. No one's looking at the Bugattis that cost their owners two, three, four million dollars. But everyone's looking at Greg in his ridiculous flying car with the wings um, with the wings folded away as he trundles about in that. So rarity, rarity is the currency around here. Um, we've got the VW ID Buzz next. This is the long wheelbase version. This is the one they're actually going to sell in the US. This is the one that's going to form the basis for uh, the uh, California, the Buzz California that will come in a year, year and a half, I should suspect. Um, bigger battery, more range. The Buzz needed it, let's be honest. Um, and last but not least, we have the Mustang GTD. Now, if this news story has passed you by, make sure you go and catch up on it because it's, <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers. Um, Ford are going to be racing GT3 Mustangs at Le Mans next year, so that got them thinking. Why don't we build a road car that takes a GT3 race car as a starting point and then really runs with it from there. So the GTD is um, a GT3 race car with more power, more downforce, more trick suspension. It's got um, adaptive spool valve dampers. Now you might remember the Ford GT had spool valve dampers so it could uh, raise itself up and down, slam itself down almost instantly 40 mil in track mode. This car can do the same thing except they're now adaptive. This is now the next generation of that damper technology. Um, it's got inboard push rod suspension at the rear which means it's bye-bye boot space. Uh, under the bonnet 5.2 litre supercharged V8. It's essentially an up-powered version of the engine you get in a Shelby GT500 but dry sumped so it can handle being absolutely smashed around the Nürburgring, which is pertinent because Ford have said the target for this car is to do a sub seven minute lap of the Nürburgring, which is very, very serious territory. Um, 
and I'm not going to put it past it right now because the aero on this car is insane. It's got a full-on hydraulic DRS rear wing. It's all carbon fibre. It's even got... I know this doesn't really make any difference to the performance of the car. It's even got 3D printed titanium paddles for the gearbox, which are made from titanium that's left over from retired F-22 fighter jets. How about that? That is a very cool thing indeed. Oh, and I should mention, it's a limited run, the Mustang GTD, and they haven't told us how many they're going to make, but it's going to cost $300,000 each for a Mustang. I think they need to do that Nürburgring lap as quickly as possible and prove to everyone that it's worth the money because it is a lot, a lot of cash. Now, that's it. We've done the Ferrari lawn. We've done the concept car lawn. Um, now, I, I would take you down onto the 18th fairway um, at Pebble Beach. It is absolutely crammed with people. Uh, I think, I'm not sure you'll even be able to hear me in this microphone, and there are some utterly gorgeous cars down there. I'll be honest, the, the early stuff, polished to within an inch of its life, just kind of looks like variations on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang to me. But, having said that, that's a bit unfair, there are some very cool cars uh, down there. There's a, a Porsche 935 that I saw, there's a, a safe, an F1 safety, a Countach F1 safety car that I saw down there from the Monaco Grand Prix in 1981. Um, I believe there's a celebration of um, Lamborghinis, there's uh, various race cars including James Hunt's McLaren. There's plenty to be getting on with, but I think that's probably enough. I'm going to leave you there um, with your appetite, hopefully, suitably wet, um, and, uh, and say thanks for joining us. I hope that was a, a decent idea of what this show's all about. It's getting chaotic. It's getting mad. I think I need to get down there and um, put my red trousers on, a funky shirt, a boater hat, a pair of expensive sunglasses, and try to blend in. All right, signing off. Thanks for listening, guys. See you on the next one. Bye.